Warning, what you're about to hear was intended to make you laugh a lot. If you listen to the show and feel inspired, then that's awesome. But if you're easily offended or just can't take a joke, you should turn this off right now. Otherwise, turn this shit up and hang on. Welcome to the Get Up. Alright, welcome to the Get Up. I'm your host JP. Today with me is I don't know how to say your last name. I, I've been debating. I'm like, is it Rager? Is it Rager? Uh, Samantha Rager. Rager. It, it okay. Looks so much cooler though than what it is. If it was Rager, yeah. that would be way cooler, right? Should you just change it as your stage name? Like I'm Sam Rager. I'm tempted. I'm tempted. tempted. Just go phonetic on it. Uh. <laughs> all right, all right. And Sam, you are a comedian. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying, trying. You're trying. Okay. <laughs> How long have you been practicing comedy? Well, actually, what do you have to plug? You got websites, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. How can people get a hold of you, find you? Yeah, you, you can find my dates at samragercomedy.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at sgrager and Instagram at ragersamantha. It's tough to keep remember all that stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I also have an Instagram. I haven't updated it in a long time. It's at lolfetus. Uh, it's if if you remember the wall cats, mm-hmm. back, it's like you that. just did one with a fetus. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, <laughs> that's that was annoying. Like when I did this, it's like I have like the getupshow.com and then I also have like the like Facebook is the Get Up Show podcast, and then Instagram and Twitter are both like the Get Up Show, and like really it's called the Get Up, not the Get Up Show, not the Get Up, like you know what I mean. So it's like yeah. Everything's taken or so close to something else, and this is all that you can get. It's, it's it's hard to brand yourself and keep it all consistent across the board. Yeah, I'm jealous of the people who have been able to. Like, yeah, oh, they, for sure. They had to get in there early, right? They had to. <laughs> so the comedy thing. Uh, how long have you been attempting or being a comedian? Um, it has been seven, uh, seven and a half years. Okay. And uh, I, I've started in the metro detroit area and i've just stayed stayed yep. <laughs> what uh how how did this happen like what what made you decide to seven years ago be like oh, i'm gonna be a comedian <laughs> like where'd that come from uh i i was uh an undergrad at wayne state and i was going through a hard time uh trying to work through my emotions of just uh pushing and trying to get get to grad school and then going through like a weird breakup and then also always constantly being on the on the verge of being homeless um and and all of those uh it sounds w- like the mixture for being a drug addict not a <laughs> right like, like <laughs> it could have gone one or two ways uh <laughs> i'm really happy with this result uh <laughs> <laughs> I, so I saw. You think there's any drug addicts out there that are like, man, I totally could have been a comedian. <laughs> they, uh, we get like, we we get a couple. Uh, we 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 just see an open mic pop up, just full of drug addicts. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe it's the next new, you know, helping uh, get them off the street, right? Yeah. It's called know. the Powder Room. Uh. Okay. <laughs> 
So anyway, <laughs> so this this combination, this mix of things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I knew that making people laugh um, made me feel better. Uh, so I, I wanted an outlet for that. And I didn't know that Detroit had a really big underground comedy community. Neither did I or do I. Okay. Uh, and I'm so, finding out now. <laughs> the only uh, the only uh, thing I did was Google and Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle was, yeah. was the number yep. one result. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, and I saw that they offered stand-up classes. And I took the intro to stand-up with Bill Bouchard. And okay. it was really cool. He challenged us to go to local open mics. And doing that allowed me to meet other comics. Right. And is it So, like, I used to... Back in the day, like, let's say 2004-ish, I used to go to, like, open mic nights all the time, and I've never seen any comedians. It was always, you know, like, an acoustic performance or a band or something like that, and it was never... I mean, were you specifically searching for comedy open mics or just going to open mics and comedians would be there? Uh, Thankfully, like, Bill gave us, like, a list of local comedy open mics, and uh, that that helped us out a lot. And it was, like, the standard, like, when Joey's was still around... The Joey's Comedy Club open mic, um, and then New Way Bar had a open mic, and they still do. Okay. Um, uh, so and where we, are those at? Where, where's New Way at? Uh, New Way's on nine, or sorry, it's on Woodward and Ferndale. Oh, okay. And then uh, Joey's, R.I.P. Joey's. Uh, it was <laughs> it was in Livonia. Okay. And then they closed, um, t- I think, twenty fifteen. Uh, so, so they they are greatly missed, but it was a good way to meet other other new comics. And there are always like a bunch of bar comedy open mics happening. Really? They may not last like more than a couple years, but uh, going to the club open mics allowed us to, to learn and navigate where those were. Okay, because uh, I've seen you post about like open mics at some bars in some local areas. Like the, I think there's what one in Clawson that you posted yeah. about. So I was like, oh, that's like right down the street. Because before <laughs> it was like, if I wanted to see local comedy, I was always thinking like Ridley's or uh, Chaplin's when that was open over on Grossbeck. Uh, and if you're not from this area of Michigan, you're gonna have no fucking clue what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, but uh, so like those were like the main ones. I lived in Chicago for a semester. And I loved going to, like, the Improv Olympic over there. I don't know if I ever made it over to Second City. But it was just, I've always loved comedy. I thought about trying my hand at it, but I don't know. I, a huge inspiration was, because uh, I am a magician or an illusionist or whatever you want to call it. You tell people you're a magician, they automatically think children's parties. <laughs> um, but I do, like, my stuff has, like, penises and stuff, so it's not really kid-friendly. Um, but, uh... uh Totally lost my train of thought. Oh, the amazing Jonathan. If you've ever seen him, oh, mm-hmm. comedy and magic, and like his like his illusions were disturbing, and his comedy is pretty disturbing too. So that was like I was like, man, that's what I want to do. That's why I have literally a foam penis that I can make appear in your hand and stuff, you know. <laughs> so like that was because it was like, oh man, I want to try something like that. So that was my goal for a period of time was to like come up with a comedy magic routine that was pretty raunchy that I could try to test out at my open mic nights. And then just life, and it didn't happen. <laughs> so. Well, I encourage you to definitely. Yeah, I think I'm funny, but. No. <laughs> I listen to your podcast. I just actually finished the Ogama County one. Did you? That is now the highest downloaded one. I was. I told the. I told one of the guys, uh, Joe Fennick. He's one of the guitarists, and I think he's one of the screamers. Uh, but he is. A, I work with him, and we've been in like a class together for the last week. 
and I just told him like two days ago, like, dude, your guys' episode is like the most downloaded episode now. And he was blown away by that. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I was going to, oh yeah, no problem. I, I, it was a great episode and I was excited because I was like, oh, I grew up near, near Ogamakai okay. and I'm like, yay. So you, from up north? Mm-hmm. Really? So, so where'd you, where'd you grow up? Where'd all that, like where? Uh, I've been like this area, Auburn Hills and like <laughs> Macomb County my whole life. So like Oakland, Macomb, that's it. Little, little blip on the map out in Chicago and then back here. Where, what about you? Um, uh, like a ton of different like small towns up there. So I, the closest one I lived to Ogemont County is Augray. And Augray okay, is yeah, technically. Okay, I know Augray. Um, yeah. yeah and, it's far away. <laughs> wow. Uh, and Standish a little yeah. bit. And Bay City and uh, Saginaw, or not Saginaw, um, Auburn. Um, okay. But like the Tri-City area. But my dad, like, uh, growing up, my family, like, for a family of four made six thousand a year. Uh so they like my dad was doing shady stuff to try and like What do you do up there? I mean there's not a lot. Yeah. GM left. Um I mean they still have a small presence up there, but they laid a ton of people off in the in the nineties. Right. And so there was like a lot of people who just moved away. And it's starting to come back. Uh and it, it's weird seeing the rent prices go up up there as well. Yeah, I bet. I just went up to uh Mayo. We were just up there for a, like a week. Did you see the creepy dolls? No, what creepy dolls? So they're like near, it's right outside of Mayo that, that like this person made an assembly of dolls that like really? along the high, there's 50 dolls with their eyes like sharpied out and their genitals sharpied out. And it is like, if you go, it's That's like. very creepy. Yeah. And like I, I, there's like Reddit threads from like people <laughs> driven by, and like people got up close. I'm like, I, I will take a video driving that's, by. That's really creepy. There's like an, I can't remember what I saw it on. I saw it on TV somewhere. There's like some island of dolls, some creepy island down south somewhere, like in a swamp, and it's got like just dolls everywhere that are oh. that are very similar to that. But no, that would creep me out. Yeah, I feel like that's an old bait and switch. Like, yeah, yeah come check it out. Well, it's crazy. Like, I went to Canada last year. And we, we drove up to, like, Sudbury, Canada. I went bear hunting. And on, like, all along the freeway, there's those, like, stacks of rocks. You know, it's like a like a stack of just rocks everywhere. And it's like, who's doing this? Who, who I mean, it was the whole, like, four-hour drive, just stacks of rocks along the freeway, the whole way. So it's like, who's doing this? Um, that's dedication to the craft. Yeah. Well, is it, is it, does it turn yeah. into like <laughs> one person did it and then someone else was like, oh, that's cool. And then they started doing it. And then now just everyone just pulls off on the side of the road, goes into a weird place and builds a stack of rocks <laughs> that you can see from the road. Uh, it was, it was crazy. But no, I never saw any dolls in Mayo. Oh, be on the that lookout. Would next that would have been really scary. So what was it like living up there? Like, uh, TV, like <laughs> uh, my dad stole cable, so we we okay. got to experience that. Uh... <laughs> pretty pretty common, okay. Uh, and now let's just give out your Netflix password, <laughs> right? That's the new stealing cable. I I liked it. I definitely had, had friends up there, but I also at the same time felt like kind of weird and. Uh, didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad and was like, I can't wait to get out of this town. Right. Um, and then I did a semester in Chicago at Loyola. Okay. Um, I went to Columbia College. So uh, I went there for film. And then I knew someone that went to Loyola. Yeah. So Columbia yeah. was right across, oh, like pretty close. Um, we like, we ran into a lot of people, like a lot of the theater departments mixed. Um, mm-hmm. 
with each other. And then I discovered that I cannot afford Chicago. Uh. That's kind of what happened to me. <laughs> well, so, like, when I moved to Chicago, I was 18, 19, somewhere around there. Uh, I stayed the first year I didn't go to college after graduating. Um, and I just worked and stuff. And I waited tables for a long time. So I was like, oh, I'm going to move to Chicago and I'm going to wait tables. And I would go there trying to apply for jobs and stuff. But what I quickly found out was that inside the city of Chicago, if you're going to work at a restaurant that sells alcohol, you have to be 21. Where in Michigan, you can be 18 and serve alcohol. You had to be 21 in the city. So like that right there, my plan just out the window. So then it was like struggling to find little jobs. And yeah, it it sucked. Um, And then I came back here. Then I got pregnant and had a kid and... Never went back. I I moved out there like three months after, two or three months after high school graduation. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to start this new life. Like acting like it's really easy. Not really like realizing that how hard it was mm-hmm. going to be. Uh, two, two weeks after I moved out there, my mom died. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. And then like, so the rest of the semester. Like, she says this with a smile on her face. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She was terminal my whole life. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so she lived a lot longer than the doctors thought she would. Uh, like, at the time, like, I was, like, kicking myself because the signs were there her last year mm-hmm. of life that she wasn't doing great. Um, but I think be- with her being sick my whole life, it was just like, oh, it's just another um, another lapse. Uh, and I remember, like, being in second grade and being like, oh, you guys' moms are dying, too? Like, I, th- I just thought... <laughs> because it was normal for you? <laughs> well, maybe I'm the only one. Now no, I feel weird. <laughs> Um, and she so she uh, she died in nine eleven. Um, Wait, the, she in nine eleven or no, on nine eleven? On nine eleven. Okay, uh, not two thousand one though. No, oh seven. Oh seven. All right. Um, <laughs> Man, you could really play the sympathy card on that one, right? <laughs> Just don't tell them the year. <laughs> oh, I was I was get so bitter like the years after when um like people from my hometown would be like nine eleven never forget, forget. and yeah. i'd be like who did you lose who did you lose on <laughs> that's great <laughs> that's actually because technically you lost your mom on 9-11 never forget that's wild that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah that it's like a death date that will always be like yeah, drilled that's a uh... crazy one yeah that one's in, in the history books mm-hmm. <laughs> wow so you're in chicago your mom dies yeah that's horrible um and then uh and then we we uh i i'm away for like a week for the funeral and all that and then i come back and then finish out the semester and then get enough scholarships to pay for outstanding debt that my loans didn't cover Mm -hmm. which was like pretty rough uh and then moved back with my dad um which at my mom's funeral like her relatives are like don't do it don't move back with him now were your Um, parents split uh, they were unfortunately together. Uh, oh, unfortunately was... <laughs> together. Okay. No, we were we begged our parents to divorce so much. Wow, the yeah. kids were asking, like, just guys, just end it. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a very toxic relationship. Right. Well, um, I can tell you what the other side of that picture isn't always the best either. I can't, I kind of count the number of step parents I've had, and it's still on an ongoing tally. It changes every few years. So yeah, my my dad remarried in twenty thirteen. And, um, 
she's she's a she's something um she wants to like be part of my life i'm like you guys married in my like mid-20s well, right. you don't have like, to do like, this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't you don't try, have to try to mom me okay you missed all that <laughs> wow, that's funny uh, but i can relate no for me it was uh it, my parents split when I was like real young, like one or two. And then my dad remarried and she is still in my life. Uh, she was my stepmom from like two or three years old till they divorced when I was in high school, I think. Uh, oh yeah. So, so it's like, like for, a huge, yeah, like, like for the developmental parts yeah. and, and my mom and I, our relationship was always strained. She remarried multiple times. She got married to the same guy twice. Uh, and then her last relationship was with a biker, and then now she like moved to Arizona, got onto a, you know a bunch of drugs, meth, and all kinds of stuff. And so like my relationship with her is pretty strained. Uh, it's not what it used to be. Uh, for a while before she met him and moved and all that stuff, like we got really close when my son was born. Like I, I was living with her at the time, so like that was was uh and you didn't meet him. He's gone right now, but uh that was uh that was like the closest I was with her. And then all that stuff happened. My dad got divorced from my stepmom. She got remarried. My dad got remarried. So like, I've had a, a parade of step parents, some that like, Oh, I'm going to try to be your parent. Other ones that were pretty hands off, you know, so it's been really weird. Uh, but I, I can relate to that. Like, Oh yeah, whatever. And then like my, my current, my dad's it's funny i don't even call her my stepmom like my dad's wife uh <laughs> she she like you know she'll give advice and stuff but she doesn't try to do the the mothering thing i mean i am 36 so at this point yeah i don't call her my stepmom i never forget like mother's day uh as mm-hmm. well and yeah. uh, well, it's not it's not called fake mother's yeah. day it's like <laughs> fake mother's day. <laughs> well like i'm god i'm horrible like i see friends and stuff on facebook like it's all their birthday cool keep scrolling uh <laughs> I, I'm not like, like I, I tell my close friends like happy birthday if mm-hmm. I remember their birthdays okay I remember my birthday I remember my girlfriend's birthday which when I say girlfriend we've been together 11 years it's basically marriage uh, I remember my daughter's birthday my son's birthday and I do remember my brother and sisters my parents it starts getting a little sketchy can only store so much information uh, I've got to remember like song lyrics from when I was 10 you know, there's a bunch of more important stuff to to remember. Yeah, yeah, and I think like when when there's like a, a like a step parent, like you you had a good relationship with your first stepmom. Um, mm-hmm. Like when there's that kind of like, uh, like bonding, especially through developmental times. Like yeah, of course, yeah. it's like a real like like parent parent like right there. Uh, but like yeah, when you get together and when you're funny yeah, afterwards. Yeah, and she was like trying to set me up with her sons, and I'm like that'd be weird. Uh, I always thought about that. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be really weird? Yeah. There isn't there there is a movie with Melissa Joan Hart and the dude that played an entourage where that happens. Yeah. Oh crap. What the hell um, movie is that? Hit me baby one more. Yeah. Or not. It was like Yeah, like um, All right. I it, it was named after a Britney Spears song. It was. Oops, I did it again. No. Uh uh <laughs> IMDb that's what I thought high school would be like, is that movie. I remember watching that in, like, middle school, elementary school. Do you think media does that to people? Just gives them an unreal expectation of life? Yeah. Like, you know it's a movie. It's fake. Mm-hmm. But you see the same trope so many times that it's like, that's what it's going to be like. My prom was nothing. 
Look, I have been to very few parties that ever equaled the simplest high school prom in a movie. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I've been to weddings that were barely as extravagant as most of these parties and movies. <laughs> yeah, my junior prom was in a Best Western. It was not... <laughs> <laughs> it's not what like media made it out <laughs> to be like. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like they miss how they do that. That's almost a joke itself. <laughs> like I tell my son all the time. I'm like, dude, there's no there's no summer break in life. <laughs> like, don't I don't I wish I kind of wish they would get rid of summer break. I mean, yeah. I, I do, but I don't because summer break's nice. My kids go to like my relatives' houses, and I I spend my summers. It's like a break for me too. <laughs> it's pretty nice actually. <laughs> Uh, what the hell movie was that? Drive, me, drive crazy. me crazy. You drive me crazy. Yeah, that's what it was. But that was like they started dating, and then their parents started dating, and that was really weird. And I think it ended with them getting it on in the treehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which which is pretty bold for. Yeah. Right. You know they're remaking Clarissa Explains It All with a different person. Are they really? Yeah. Is she coming back? Is like the mother? No. No, she's not. I watched a lot of Clarissa Explains It All. Me too. Back in the day. Not so, I did watch a little bit of Sabrina. Not so much. I used to think that Melissa Joan Hart was pretty cute back in the day. She was probably like a young crush. Yeah, she was awesome. She was like one of my like, oh, I want to be like her. Um, well, I mean, Clarissa, like that show, she had a lot of attitude and like edge and, mm-hmm. you know, was kind of a, for young girls, I could see being like a independent, like strong-willed young woman yeah, sort of thing. That and I like Blossom. Um, what what was that show with the Lawrence Brothers? Oh yeah, what was that? Hey, whatever it was. Whoa, whatever Joey Lawrence always said. Yeah, I thought what they was would that be show? bigger. Um, yeah, well, Joey Lawrence was huge for a second and then just disappeared. He had a show with Melissa Joan Hart, Melissa and Joey, right there. Shit, what it was the Lawrence and the other Lawrence brother really disappeared. Yeah, the middle one. Or the tiny one, Andy. I think all of them but Joey. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, crazy. Yeah, because he was on Blossom. That's right. That hair. All the girls love the hair. Let's see. uh, Brotherly Love. Was that their show? Maybe. I think that was it. When did it run? Uh, see full summary. Does it say down here? Years there. Oh, I just missed the years. Ninety-five to ninety-seven. Yeah, I think that was it. Brotherly yeah. love. Yeah. How? Why are we talking about Joey Lawrence? <laughs> <laughs> well, we got on a high school like. Yeah. Things, uh... <laughs> Jeez. So, so the whole Chicago thing, hard to get a job uh, and, and didn't really pan out. So what? You moved back here? Yeah. That's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. So I moved uh, and I lived with my dad for like a, a year and a half. Um, and then I went to Maine State. Uh, okay. And then I just stayed in the Metro Detroit area. Uh, I lived out of my car, like on and off, for five years after uh, college graduation. And I had like friends during the time that would like let me like stay with what them. What did you go to school uh, for? Like, wh- what did you graduate college? Yeah. Uh, I have a, a degree in anthropology and a degree in criminal justice. Okay. <laughs> and what was your plan? Like, I ask people this because I went to school. My son says I went to smarty pants school, <laughs> but some of the people I went to school with, like the things that they were studying in college when I would talk to them, I was like, so what are you going to do with it? I don't know, but it's crazy. Like, I mean, like some seriously up there science and stuff. And I'm like, what, so what kind of job do you get with that? And <laughs> I don't know. 
So, like, that's what was your plan when you did all that stuff? Um, I wanted to go to grad school and uh, continue to pursue forensic anthropology. And I was uh, really deep into it. I was doing, like, a bunch of research conferences all over the country. Really? I had grad schools flying me down to, like, that's cool. visit them. Uh, and I think because I was, like, pushing myself so hard that I kind of, like... Uh, kind of cracked or i was like kind of lost as well like i i knew I, I enjoyed it and i knew that i enjoyed um the professors i was working with at, at wayne state but i was like i know that my mom really wanted me to do this so I, how much of me is doing it for myself how much is me doing it for my mom right um it's still something i'm very interested in but i also graduated college at the end of the recession uh and a lot of universities were consolidating their anthropology departments and we're laying off a bunch of people with their PhDs in anthro. And so they were taking jobs that people with their bachelors in anthro used to take. Right. And so it just, and it never rebounded. In okay. fact, like a lot of universities are still consolidating that department. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is so depressing. I was like hoping, I'm like, well, one day, if I ever want to dabble in it again, hopefully the Right. Be uh, just... Nope, never. Never. Well, never did. And just, so then after that, just. What'd you do after? Like, so, okay, your your plan of this anthropology and forensics and stuff just kind of sounds like the carpet got pulled out from underneath your feet. So, yeah. so what happened after that? Like, what, what, what'd you do then? Was that, you said, was that like when you were doing the living in your car stuff mm-hmm. or? Um, yep. Uh, so at, uh, at that time, um, when I was still in college, it was like my last couple months, uh, I got hired at a place in Ann Arbor that was kind of like PR research-ish. Um, not market research, uh, but they looked at like media insights, like, um, if wall street journal mentioned your company or whatever, like we would like track that kind of stuff. Um, for clients or something. mm -hmm. Uh, yep. Uh, and so I, I got hired there and it was in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is like a cool, like stepping stone job. And I ended up staying there for like. Uh, six years longer um. than long. That was a big ass step. <laughs> well, uh, if it was a long step. You, you stayed stay on that stone for a while, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then six years flies. Yeah, it does. Uh, like the years keep on going faster, and I'm like, no. Right. I know. Summer is almost already over. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's like something too that I like worry. I'm like, am I stagnating? Like. Was time going by so fast? Right. <laughs> just like start having like a, uh, like a mental uh... midlife crisis. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're real. I've known some yeah. people. I kind of freaked out a little bit in my twenties. I forgot how old I was, and I didn't bother to do the math. So people would be like, "How old are you?" I was like, "I don't know. I think I'm 26 or 27, 28." You guess. Uh, I'm almost there again because I just don't care. But uh, <laughs> no, like when I turned 30, I freaked out for like a couple days. But I've known other people that have like freaked out for for weeks and months. I'm just kind of like, oh my god, I'm not where I wanted to be in life. And oh. yeah, mm-hmm. it kind of felt like that for me. Not like a huge freak out, but like kind of like uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna lay in bed and, and <laughs> think about life. And think about uh, life. Just contemplate everything. Yeah. Uh, so it definitely got got like that, and especially like. Uh, I'm so proud of like younger comics for discovering comedy at such uh, a young age. Yeah. So uh, how um, old were you when you, you discovered mm-hmm. when you thought like, I'm going to try this. I was 23. 23. Which at which the, is pretty fucking young. Yeah. Uh, like, so now I'm like, Oh, like 
Oh man, you found it at 17. Great. Yeah. Um, How often do you think that those people that find it at 17 stick with it though? Not super often. I think they go to college and like realize like, oh wow, there's like other. Right. Oh, other. you mean I don't have to struggle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially since like, um, their like trade schools don't have as much of a stigma as like they, they tra- used to. Yeah. Yeah. Before it was go to college, don't mm-hmm. go to a trade school. Oh, you're going to be a, a, you know, a slave laborer for your whole life. But now it's like, they're really pumping out the trade schools. Yeah. But I think that's just because the narrative has changed so much that you see now it's like, Oh, what did you go to college for? Are you doing that? Nope. You know, whereas a trade school is like, Hey, you can spend a year here and have like almost be guaranteed a job you can find this industry is not going anywhere yeah you're gonna be able Mm -hmm. to find a job and for decent money right off the bat all my friends went to trade schools don't have any debt right now and i'm like how does that feel right that's awesome but i mean like you can literally Mm -hmm. just do one year of school and then you're in a job for three years and that's a whole college term you know that's a basic four-year college and you got three years of work experience already Mm -hmm. i mean i get it it's, it's crazy how that's changed so much. I mean, I've seen literally a guy standing in a suit, college degree, will work, holding a sign. And it's like, I never thought I'd see a guy in a suit holding a sign, standing on the road. Yeah, it's I've seen it. so hard. And it's like, that's what's also terrifying too, is that like talking with like financial analysts and how they're like, oh yeah, recession is, is coming again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I thought it would be longer between. Between them? <laughs> yeah. Shit, man, I'm still trying to get over the last one. Yeah. I, and, I know. <laughs> and that's like uh, a discussion too in, in some of the comics groups is like, what are you doing to prepare if you are de- if you are dependent on comedy and are, are lucky enough to make this your full-time job? What are you going to do? Because it's going to be one of the first things that, that people cut from their budgets. Is... Mm-hmm. Do you think it will be? Yeah, with the last one, um, a lot of a lot of clubs closed. Really, and, uh, a lot of comics had to like, who were doing it full time had to get, will try to get some kind of day job. Right. Uh, and then a lot a lot of comics just never came back. And I'm like, yeah, health insurance is nice, isn't it? Like, it is. It is. Uh, I'm nervous about how it's going to affect this. I mean, there's more open micers because, mm-hmm. um, with, with layoffs, uh, a lot of people are like, you know, I have extra time and I always right. want to try it might as well. Now, is that, is that where it, it transitions to? I mean, obviously it, a comedy club or a club that's focused solely on comedy. Yeah. That's probably going to struggle, mm-hmm. but bars never do bad. Yeah. <laughs> people are always going to the bar, whether it's a recession or not, that just gives them more reason to drink. So, like, the open mics, is it just that you have to morph and go to those, mm-hmm. a bar, and do an open mic more often, right? Yeah. Because I started at the tail end of the, I started doing comedy at the tail end of the recession, and then I was talking to my friends who started at the beginning, and they they were saying that, like, while the clubs, like you mentioned, uh, were really struggling and closing, the bars were more open. They, right. they um, instead of being, like, resistant to it or being sassy towards, like, well, your comic said this, so you guys can't have it anymore. They were more open-minded and were like, you know what? Mondays and Tuesdays were slow, so. Right. What are... I totally lost my train of thought there. Uh, So, at what point did you decide, like, I'm going to do this comedy thing? So, you had the job for... You were on the stone for six years. Mm -hmm. What happened after that? Um, I ended up... Because at that job, I I was, like, uh, working towards the end about 100 hours a week. 
like my it, I wasn't able to do comedy as much as I was doing. It was like kind of destroying. So at my... this point, you had already started doing the the, the comedy, okay? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and uh, that job had been really flexible. Let me work from home, which is huge to be uh, for comedy and right. being able to travel and take gigs wherever. And so that's part of the reason why I stayed for so long. Uh, and then towards the end, it got bought by another company, and everyone's workloads like doubled. Totally changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like snapped. I'm like, I can't do. I had like three hours to sleep each night. Uh, it was yeah, not, that's rough. Uh, that's rough. Not sustainable. So I was working that kind of schedule for about um, three months, and it was like a gradual progression to that level. Right. Um, well, because it's isn't it just like all right, let's bump it up. See how much they can handle. Oh, let's push a little more. And it drives me nuts because, I mean, I've I've witnessed that firsthand being, I work for a a larger company. And I've seen that. And it's like, it gets to the point where where people are just getting burned out. And it's like, oh, well, we're going to keep raising overtime. And you can't make any more mistakes than you used to. But you got to do triple the volume. And to me, it seems like that model is just broken because... Mm -hmm. You can't push people like that so much and mm-hmm. expect them to be able to perform at their best because they're burnt out, lack of sleep, everything. Like it's yeah, everyone was salaried too where I worked, so like they didn't they didn't offer any overtime. And so when oh, I did the math, damn, I'm like, I'm damn, working. That's even worse. Yeah, I'm like, I'm making well below minimum wage. Right now. I think there's a local <laughs> law firm that specifies they specialize in that. Uh, and then people were like dropping like flies. Um, yeah, they're like leaving right mm-hmm. not dying yeah. not literally dropping <laughs> uh, yeah so i <laughs> i got i hired a company to to redo my resume and they ended up hiring me on um so, wait you hired a company to do your resume yeah because there's like ai now with like uh that reads resumes because companies get so many resumes to them right and you have to like have your resume formatted a certain way for it to pick up words uh, to filter, to be able to filter your resume to an actual human wow. to look at, and I was like, I don't know how to do that. So I. <laughs> so you. So now you have to format your resume so a robot will read yeah. it, so that it will get to a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's weird. Uh, so now, like, it looks very dense and word heavy, um, for those companies. Uh, but for companies that still have a human, like, look at it firsthand. They when they look at it, they're like, this looks sloppy. Like, why would you write right. a whole novel? Do you, do you ask them like when you apply for a job? You're like, so do you use a robot or not? Why are you asking this question? Well, I've got a human friendly one and I've got a robot friendly one. Which one do you want? That's crazy. Right? Uh, and I was at that company for a little bit and I was like, I did not mesh with like the... No? Like, no. And so like three months in, they, they laid me off. Um, and they're like, we, uh, we're experiencing some financial problems. I'm like, you guys just posted in the community <laughs> chat that you're buying a yacht. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's their financial problems. They're buying a yacht, can't afford you. <laughs> Gotta cut costs somewhere. Shit, trying to live their best life. <laughs> That is, it's so horrible, isn't it? You just get that yeah. BS, like, company line. Like, yeah, so we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> but I can't be long. I got a round of golf to go play. Yeah. Oh, like, my gosh. That was a perfect impression. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've never done that to someone in my life. but yeah, Well, you're a good person. Uh, so that's why. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah, I think I am. But I think everyone thinks they're a good person. 
so that that forced me to like uh kind of like evaluate what i wanted in right. life like do i want to keep on doing comedy um and i i do uh so i i told myself i needed to just find jobs that are comedy friendly and a lot of it is like kind of gig economy mm-hmm. stuff like doing deliveries or right. um i teach kids in china uh english uh yeah so uh clearly across the internet right because yeah. you're not driving <laughs> like you're not can't see you traveling back and forth to, as much as i see you active on facebook and posting all the different shows and stuff that you're going to be a part of i cannot imagine that you're like flying back and forth so you just do like uh over an internet connection then mm-hmm. yep it's like one-on-one uh and you can do it in your like pjs really yeah and they the company does all the lesson planning so you just go through the slides with the students really it's the easiest job i've ever done yeah so you can do anywhere you have wi-fi wow and mm-hmm. is i mean does that pay decent or um it starts off at about 20 an hour what yeah what mm-hmm you're telling me I could, well, not everyone can speak good English. So I was going to say, like, no, this... you're telling me I could have, like, <laughs> for years when I was making, like, shit, I was making eleven fifty not too long ago. And you're telling me, well, that was, what, four, four years ago I was making eleven fifty an hour. You're telling me I could have made 20 just reading to Chinese kids? Yeah, this job, like, I, it ta- like it's been teaching me, like, new grammar wow. rules. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know why. Wow. That's why we said that, like, this and those. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, it's funny, the company I work for. Uh, recently started a weekly email chain basically geared at teaching you how to talk better like the difference between there and there like like, <laughs> like when to use a comma when to use a semicolon like it's it's funny yeah i think the most recent one was like quotes like you use quotation marks when you're quoting something someone directly said don't use quotation marks when you're just paraphrasing what they said. Like, it's, it's when it's exact. So, like, all people always doing the quote thing, just wrong all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, it's funny. So, like, they actually geared that towards, like, uh, everyone just <laughs> learn how to speak better. They're like, we've been sending out too many of these emails. Yeah. I'll just consolidate. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you cannot write very well. <laughs> We're going to have to change this. Actually, they're, like, really fun to read. I'm just like what's what's the next one gonna be you know what's the next lesson but so are you at the point now where you're doing this like is this your job or are you still doing the the gig stuff mm, i'm still doing the gig stuff well obviously because um, you said you're still teaching mm-hmm. kids english uh so it it pays for about um during like the fall and winter it pays for about half of my bills um and then during the summer it slows down okay. more because uh, people do not want right. to be inside. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, I, I'm, I mean, how many hours are you really doing that for mm-hmm. a day? Like when you're in your winter season, like fall, winter, busiest season. Yeah, uh, during fall, winter, busy season, um, including like writing time, I would say mm, about uh, like three hours a day. Um, right. So, I mean, it's not like you're holding down to eight, an yeah. eight you know, nine to five or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. the The schedule is good, but also like I'm sad because I get to miss out on some events sometimes. And somebody's like, "Oh, we have a birthday party on Saturday night," and I'm like, "That's my busiest night of the really? week." Really? Okay. Well, and I, especially with the the time zone difference, right? So like, I'm sure their day is our night at mm-hmm. some point, right? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Interferes with your personal life. Then it's like, oh, great, I can do this from anywhere basically, but I can't go out. Yeah. Um it's it's 
nice but also i still haven't gotten like the scheduling down like no. i so i worked at like 4 a.m this morning and uh having to to wait you worked at 4 a.m yeah and you did a show yesterday mm-hmm. and how long did that show go to um the show went until about 10 and then it was like an hour and a half away uh so i got home at around 11 30 midnight um <laughs> went to bed and then woke up at four and or i woke up at 3 30 to right yeah, re- obviously yeah. get ready mm-hmm. you gotta wake up before you wake up uh yeah so wow my life is like a series of naps uh okay <laughs> i'm like so jealous of of comics who who came from money who don't have to <laughs> well i mean i think that's i think that's a common uh jealousy mm-hmm. my earphone is like killing my one year uh i think that's a common thing right like anytime that someone hasn't had to go through the struggles that someone that wasn't born into money has to go through to get to the same level Mm -hmm. uh obviously that's like a that's a huge bonus for that person that doesn't have to go through all that don't have to live out of your car don't have to worry about getting scholarships to cover you know debt from trying to go to school and stuff like that like yeah that that's that definitely makes things uh a little different when you have to go through that and i can i can get that i understand that mm-hmm. so what have you been uh like now it looks like you're pretty active you're all over the place oh i've seen like some in ohio pretty far away like where are you what area do you live in now are you still down here in the metro area yep um so i live uh i live... You don't have to give out your address <laughs> uh, i still live in metro detroit and i do um because i i took like a uh, job that was in person for a little bit um at the in the during the springtime i had to limit myself to like mostly doing michigan ohio and indiana but now that i'm not there anymore i'm i'm back on the road and have like shows um like i this fall i'll be in like wisconsin and minnesota okay. um, and iowa and nebraska what's your favorite place to like do comedy at what what um, what area i mean is it going out to california is it <laughs> Uh, so far, it's been, um, I know it's going to sound weird, uh, I really love Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, what? Yeah. I. Uh, they have always been, like, open and game for, like, really? any weird stuff I want to talk about. And it's, like, the one place where I actually have people who come out to my shows anytime they see me on a poster. And I'm like, you know, I was just here, like, a couple months ago. I'm going to just tell the same jokes. And they're like we're open like we are down wow yeah that's, that's gotta be cool mm-hmm. so what was it like when you first started off how brutal was it oh i cried so many nights uh <laughs> i i think like the graduation show like pumped me up a lot because i'm like oh family and friends came out and it was like a good response and so the graduation when you say graduation like from uh, the, the comedy com- class mm-hmm. okay so there was really literally like a graduation class yeah. and then you just like it's like a show, show and then it has like 400 people how was that class what was that like uh it was great like he uh bill was did an awesome job at allowing everyone to kind of keep their own voice and not trying to like get them to sound like him mm-hmm. and in- encouraging them to write from whatever point of view they were coming from uh he was really great at getting us to uh condense our jokes and like trim the fat uh, and and get it to a presentation ready five minutes. Uh, and I learned a lot about both joke writing and uh, the kind of comic I I wanted to be. What do you think was like the most important thing that came out of that that you learned in that, like when it comes to like joke writing and the, and the presentation? 
Um, you know that you're funny when you can take the worst thing that has happened to you and make an audience laugh. And okay. so when I was able to make an audience laugh at my mom's death. Uh... Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, there she's smiling again. So... <laughs> Damn, okay. Now, mm-hmm. what what was it like doing those early shows? I mean, that's got to be nerve-wracking, right? I mean, you said you cried. Yeah. Like, like what was your first, like, did you, did you start off doing open mics and stuff? Or were you just trying to get booked at little shows? Like, how did all that go? Uh, it was mostly open mics. I think the only reason and I... those would... don't pay, right? No. That's just, uh, hey, if you want to come up and get on the mic. Yeah, so I would say, like, the my first few, like, my first... Three years uh, was like a net loss uh, with comedy, especially right. like, um, but having to like buy drinks at each bar and like tip the wait staff, and and making sure like the. Do you need a drink to to prepare? I I mostly drank pop. Um, it was like also a money saving thing for yeah. me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, to be able to to do that, but um, that was like one of like when venues drop open mics a lot. It's it's because the comics didn't buy weren't buying anything really just kind of like loitering uh wow really yeah like a lot of comics um because there's so many open mics in the area that you can do comedy almost twice a night every night of the week uh and so comics for free yeah (laughs) which Uh, i mean that's that's just building that's the, mm -hmm. the the building it up right yeah and so comics were like well i can only afford to buy drinks at like three of these shows uh and so they have to kind of pick and choose but um yeah i lost so much money and the bars have regulars who do not want to hear comedy they just want to go and relax and so it's like kind of battling that dynamic but it makes you a stronger comic like okay if i can make these people swivel around on their bar stool (laughs) well and and too like you said it was like like monday tuesday wednesday nights right those Mm -hmm. aren't like the most popular like when someone's trying to see some entertainment like you said those are the regulars that are like I just got done working and I'm going to go have a drink at the bar and not talk to anyone or just talk to the people that I know that do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be, that's got to be tough. So what, what do you, what do you do to, to get them to swivel? Uh, I had to start writing stronger jokes. I had to throw away so much material. I mean, there's, there, there were still like, I would say two or three jokes of mine, um, that, that persevered through that first year, but if I look back at my old notebooks, I'm like, I could burn all of these and stay warm for a season. <laughs> How, what, what's it like? Like writing a joke? Like what's the process for that? Um, for like, it's different for a lot of people. For me, it's oh, like sure. finding like the core idea of what I think is funny. And then normally being able to sit down with like a person who would, would kind of disagree with me on it. So through the process of me explaining to them why I think it's funny, I am able to like write a joke, and I just add punchlines throughout. Right. The... So why is your mom dying funny? <laughs> uh, uh, she, because she died on nine eleven, uh, and because okay. her internal organs uh, failed her. So some people could still call an inside job. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> wow. Is, okay. Uh, okay. It's like the first. How uh, long did it take you to come up with like stuff like that? um do you find like like the witty like puns and stuff like that like come pretty quick to you or uh sometimes like sometimes i'll be like driving and i'm like oh i need like a, a pen or uh i've a... definitely had those moments 
Um, and then sometimes it'll be like racking my brain and having to like say it out loud or like just talk about like my I day out loud as I'm like pacing. So I'm like, my neighbors probably think I'm crazy. <laughs> She's out uh, there talking to herself again, honey. <laughs> come here, come here, get the binoculars. <laughs> I get it. My neighbors are probably seeing some weird stuff. <laughs> like, why does this guy keep walking out front? Well, like I'm waiting for someone to show up because, you know, trying to like be warm and inviting and welcoming when someone comes over a guest or anything for this. And it's like, oh, well, you know, my garage door is open and usually I try to just meet them out there, introduce myself and stuff. Cause I mean, it's gotta be weird, right? Like you're going to someone you may have not met. We talk briefly, but like, that's, it's, it's the same thing for me. It's like, who am I inviting into my house at the same yeah. time? It's like, where am I going? <laughs> you just see me like making a rough sketch of the outline. Yeah, right. right on the phone. <laughs> so here's a picture of the house. Uh... <laughs> that's how my mom is. My stepmom. Which I do call her mom. My that's how she is. My stepmother is, is paranoid like that. So she's like, like she went rafting the other day, and she's like, "Oh, I'm staying at a friend's house. Here's the address. This is what time. If you don't hear from me, call the police." Uh, but I mean, for good reason. The world's crazy. yeah. So mm-hmm. what is what was what was the worst show you had? Oh wow! Um... And what kept you from stopping? Oh. There's so many. Um, there's... there's so many bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was one uh, where I was, uh, as I was walking off the stage, somebody shouted, "Thank God she's not up there anymore!" No, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it crickets while you were up there? I uh, know, which is surprising because I definitely bound worse. <laughs> Well, is, or is that just a drunk person that's like, I think there is a group of men that just doesn't think women are funny. So, yeah. So you're dealing with that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just depending on the style of comedy that you do, I mean, an example, a weird one kind of like that was I went to a Daniel Tosh show uh, in Detroit and in the middle of his set, this lady stands up and starts throwing stuff at him. And it's like, do you not know whose show you came yeah. to? Like, I've got a TV show. I think he literally said that. I have a TV show. Do you not know where you are? So, like, that's, like, to me, is like, I went there because I know what his comedy is, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, obviously, if it's, like, an open mic night or, or you, it's someone that doesn't follow you, they may not agree with, like, your joke telling, right, or your style or your subject matter, stuff like that. Uh, but then I think, like I said, like, there's that, that animosity towards women comics, as well that you, you probably have to deal with a little bit oh yeah so there's there's uh there's the dudes that do not think that women are funny and then there's the dudes that are with their girlfriend who like do not want them to like i don't know they get like kind of competitive um mm-hmm. a weird vibe oh so you think she's funny huh you don't yeah! laugh at any of my jokes like, you think she's funny huh yes uh-huh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. why don't you go home <laughs> with her tonight oh yeah so there's definitely that i've gotten that a lot Yo, my ex-wife, I used to DJ a lot. And I would DJ down by Wayne State. There was this place called Elvin's, uh, which was like a bar club. They had a stage and stuff. They did a lot of shows. And I used to DJ um, hip-hop shows on Sundays. And a lot of performers, when they would perform, is they would give you a CD to play. This is back when CDs were around. Uh, They would give you a CD to play. And, you know, at the end of the night, a lot of them wanted their CDs back. So, like, there was this this group this duet of female rappers that were performing 
And at the end, like, once they were done and stuff and I was taking a break, I walked over and I gave them their CD. And they're like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know, cool, blah, blah, blah. And that was it. And my, my ex-wife now was there with me. And I walk over to her table and she's like, what, you want to fuck those two? Huh? I'm like, dude, I'm just giving her the CD. Like, chill out. Yeah. And, and so there is that competitive thing, too. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that for sure. Yeah, it affects it a lot. And then, like, once you see it, like, in the corner, you're like, like this is how the rest of the night's going right. to be. <laughs> right. But, I mean, as long as mm-hmm. the whole crowd's not like that. But, like you mm-hmm. said, if the crowd was seemed like they were okay and then that one person says something. Yeah. And it, it just makes it so weird. Th- so, like, when that happened, does that, does that just, like, take the wind out of your sails? Yeah. I'll be, like, in a funk the rest yeah. of the night. Um, Have oh. you ever been haggled, like, while you were performing? Oh, yeah. Uh, my like second year in, um, I was doing a show. Uh, I don't know if you know where Mandy's is. No. Uh, it's like on Seven Mile, um, on Seven Mile and Conan, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's right like by Hamtramck then. Yeah. Um, it's like one of the shows where like the audience decides how long you can stand. Oh, really? Yeah. And so if they like you, you just keep going? Yeah. That's probably cool and horribly scary at the same time. <laughs> like, oh shit, I'm getting to the end of my material. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. So I was up there for like a minute and a half, and like people started like do- shaking their keys, which is what they do to get you off stage. And somebody oh, shouted, okay. "Get off the stage, Wonder Years!" Uh- <laughs> what? Yeah. Why would they call you Wonder Years? I have no, no idea. idea. May I look like an extra from it? That, or were they saying you looked like uh, what was her name? I wanted like, to like Wendy. Win- uh, yeah. I wanted to believe I looked like Wendy, but I'm like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Wow, okay. I seen, so there was, I heard one. I think it was Martin Lawrence. He had one I was listening to, so in my truck, uh, you know, when you buy a new car now, you get like satellite for like six months to a year, depending on what car you get and whatever. So I would always listen to the stand-up channels, like Comedy Central, just like Raw Dog. Uh, There's a bunch of different comedy stations on Sirius, and like one of them was Jamie Foxx, but then... Kevin Hart owns it now, and it's pretty funny, but uh, it was like Martin Lawrence was doing a bit, and someone haggled him, and he destroyed him. It was bad. I mean, I was dying. It was so bad, but then I seen that happen live. Uh, Aerie Spears came to town last year, I think it was, and in this comedy club is in Southfield. I mean, it's a... Per- oh, Punchline? Uh, yes, Punchline. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's a predominantly black comedy club, mm-hmm. and I was... Weirdly enough, I was one of two white people there, and then it was, I was with, like, a Caledian family. I got invited, and, uh, you know, like, they had the ticket and everything and stuff, so, uh, and we sat, like, we were right next to the stage, and punchline, the stage is, like, the size of this fucking yeah. table. Like, it's crazy intimate. And, yeah, someone was haggling Aerie Spears, and, I mean, he, it was insane to see and hear because he made that guy the punchline of every fucking joke for like an hour. It was crazy. He closed the night out ripping on that guy. Like it was insane how he was able to do his stuff and then just bring it back to that guy and keep going and bring it back to that guy. Like it was nuts. That and it would have been like to me, I'd have been like, damn, that's awesome. Like I don't mind being the punchline of someone's joke. I was at at Mark Ridley's. I was the punchline of someone's joke. There was this this British comedian and he was doing uh 
it was the shit tour. So that was like his bit was about how Americans use the word shit for everything. I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, it was hilarious though. You know, he's like only in America do you see like it's cool as shit, dumb as shit, hot as shit, cold as shit. You're like you got a lot of shit. You know this that shit's sweet. Like it's shit. You know. So like you know, it's funny. His shirts like literally said shit, and it was like all the phrases that you would use saying shit that made up the letter. It was it was pretty sweet. But then he like looks at me and he goes, I mean, this guy, look at him. He looks like he lives in a trailer with a lot of shit. And my girlfriend fell out of her seat laughing almost because at the time I did live in a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look around, I do got kind of, you know, quite a bit of shit. So it was, uh, it was hilarious though. But man, Aerie Spears just like murdered this guy and made him the butt of every punchline. And it was insane to see like that happen. Cause you know, a lot of times like you, you rehearse those, right? You're rehearsing yeah. those jokes that you're writing and, and you have it set up. Like this is a structure. I mean, do you, how often do you find yourself straying from that path that you've rehearsed? Or is it like you just have these jokes and you just kind of plug and play them in different lines? Or are you following like a linear path? Cause whatever he was doing, man, it was crazy. It was just crazy to see that this person just be the punchline for everything. I, um, I plug and play with like a lot of my sets, like Aries Spears, uh, um, is like a master at being able to, to handle those kind of situations. And I don't have that kind of skill level to to be able to do that and not turn an audience against me. Uh, so oh, he, I mean, we were that place was dying. It was crazy. <laughs> and then oh, and then it, we were the butt of a lot of jokes <laughs> because again, predominantly black. And he would stop and look at us and be like, "Just so you know, in the black community, blah 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 blah." blah you know, like it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. So for you, you, you you're saying you wouldn't be able to handle that situation so well no i would probably like i always um try to like if if i get heckled try to like still compliment them so many like hecklers think they're helping the show uh even even they like they don't realize that they're being disruptive Mm -hmm. so i'm like i try to like bring them in like a a very playful way um is that that doesn't pick fun at them because i've definitely seen audiences turn on comics who are like like so many comics tell just say shut up to people they don't mm-hmm. they don't make a joke uh out of it or they don't turn it around um I, I, i've seen that work too mm-hmm. same show some lady from the background said something and he was like shut up bitch they didn't come to see her you talk I, i'm the one with the mic because <laughs> she was yelling like stuff constantly mm-hmm. you know and and <clears throat> he was getting annoyed it looked like and but i mean even that just cut the, the crowd was just dying you know, so I mean, I guess I could see it both ways where the crowd could turn. I mean, there was a pretty famous instance uh, with what's his name, uh, the dude that played in Seinfeld, where he went down a dark path and it backfired on him. Yeah. Uh, like that one was bad. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think there's a, a balance, maybe, or is it just reading the room and knowing what you can get away with? It's reading the room and like a, a certain skill, too. Like Aries Spears is like f- super famous. Um, and like anyone who's who's like pretty familiar with comedy has like heard of him, and so I think he um, that combined with like his just his general skill. I mean, he's right. famous for like a like very good reason, super talented at it. Um, so I think that he can like do stuff that like other comics can't. Right, like, can't get away with. Yeah, he gets that that pass because of that. Mm-hmm. What uh, uh, so like when you're when you're performing, what what's that like? Like, is it just a rush of people laughing? That, that gets you up there. Have you ever choked? Have you ever just like fucking froze? 
Um, the last time I choked, I was like a couple months in and, uh, the comic who was like the host of that night, it was like, Oh, open micers. Like he made like a comment about it on stage and I'm like this guy, um, <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Uh, and so like after that, after that time, I haven't ever no. like choked on, uh, in terms of just like forgetting or blanking, just on my blanking out. Mm-hmm. Just persevered. Yeah. Or just riffing is it hard to overcome that kind of stuff i mean because that's like like a mental like damn because you know like in the moment you're like fuck right yeah you like start sweating and it's like oh gosh like it's it feels super embarrassing and time feels like it's going so so slow slow. (laughs) right what kind of so what's your what would you say your style of comedy is very dark. Um, Very dark. Mm-hmm. Well, you're talking about your mom dying, <laughs> 11 and it being an inside job. So yeah, I guess so. Um, like people, um, people have described it as like being very alty or very like comics, comic kind of humor. Uh, people, if people like Pat Oswalt or Mark Marin, um, Pat Oswalt's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I'm definitely not at that skill level, but like the. Um, similar style mm -hmm. what led you to that like is that your natural sense of humor yeah um and i've had so many people tell me that i need to like dumb down my humor i was was gonna ask like do you ever feel like you have to tone it down Uh, i i I sadly try to but i can't i uh i'm like this is just the way i write and if i could i would but would be able to to book more shows (laughs) (laughs) damn it why are you so dark (laughs) But I think in two things, I think there is definitely a place for those comedians because you see some very well-known comedians like Tosh that their shit's dark or horribly inappropriate (laughs) and that's what makes you laugh, right? Like Mm -hmm. in in him having the balls to say those things and granted, yes, now he's, you know, had a TV show for X amount of years and, and he's done all that stuff. But at some point he was an unknown just trying to make it. And I mean, he was saying those things. So like, there's obviously room for that, but on the flip side, it's been in the news a lot. Like, and, and there's been, from what I've read, like, it feels like, uh, with the, you can't say this and you can't say that, like almost an attack on comedy. I mean, I've read a couple times people saying like, oh, comedy's dying because you can't say it's a joke. You know what I mean? Like, that's the whole mm-hmm. thing. And like you, like you're working, you you address your mother's death as a joke. Yeah. And for some people, that's like the worst fucking thing you could ever do. And then, uh, so how do you navigate that? Like, that, the, what do you think of the current state of comedy? And how do you navigate being a dark comic? <laughs> those situations and those subjects um having to eventually let it run off my back um and knowing that the the positives definitely outweigh the negatives like i i talk about um self-harm and uh on my album and when i was preparing for that and doing that joke all over i've had parents from all over the midwest like reach out to me and be like my my son or my daughter or my child like struggled with this thank you it helped me understand it and i've also had people who who themselves like they they have right. struggled with it who are like thank you it doesn't get talked about or whenever a comic brings it up they always bring it up making fun of it versus mm-hmm. talking about experiencing it with themselves right. and so i've had way more of those than people who are like, like uh just last week i had somebody tell me like um 
talking about mental health is hard, so how about you just not do it and say <laughs> a, a better comic? <laughs> this subject is hard, so why don't you not? That was pretty funny. How yeah. you said it. <laughs> um, yeah. So what do you do in that situation? What's your answer? Because uh, like that night, I completely like ate garbage and uh, like on stage, and the first half of my show. I just did brand new material, okay. and which is a bad move in comedy. Um, and is that scary? Yeah, you're trying oh, out new stuff. I hate it. Uh, I, I, after I put out my album, I was like, okay, time to like start writing again, and oh, just making myself vulnerable like that. I miss like doing jokes that I knew, like that you, that you know we're gonna get the mm-hmm. laugh, right? Like the the surefire just killers because, I mean, that's part of doing it, right? That rush yeah. of making people laugh. So mm-hmm. when it's crickets or <laughs> yeah so the second half of that set i like did i was like okay i'm gonna like retreat retreat back to like ultra <laughs> <laughs> right okay let's go back to the comfortable waters <laughs> um and then i had already lost them at that point um so i think this this person thought that the mental health stuff was like part of the new material uh and so i think that they were like oh i'm just gonna get this piece of advice i'm like no right. like i've seen that joke work in front of audiences that are close to a thousand people and so you like, think it was more that you lost the crowd earlier so when you went to the old standbys like it just you you'd already lost them it just... um a mix of that and then it makes of like i've seen shows at the venue i haven't seen like stand-ups do oh. do well um in general and so like going into the show again isn't gonna go through <laughs> What do you, is it, have you ever been able to like rebound in the same show? Like feel like you've lost it and then bring it back? Yeah. And, and, and weirdly it's, it's with the, the dark, like the super dark humor, um, and the mental health joke, uh, going into it, like even if I've lost them the whole set, when I start in on that joke, people are like pull back even more because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, this subject matter. Mm. Uh, right. And then by the time I get to a, a, the relatable moment, um, talking about like hating my job and like what brought me to like some of these thoughts, like a lot of them have, whether or not they've told anyone about it, have, have experienced it at some moment in their life. Right. Well, like, I mean, I don't know, personally, if I'm in like a bummed, depressed mood, I literally, I'll put on like sad bum depressed music you know what i mean and it's like almost like it helps you work through whatever it is that you're feeling so that you feel better like i've never been like oh man i'm just fucking not feeling it today let me put on some happy ass motherfucking music you know because it's not your mood that you're in like i'm not mm-hmm. like putting on something i'm like oh you know what yeah turn my day around so i mean like i can understand like the 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 jokes especially being the dark stuff helping you you know helping you or people listening kind of work through it mm-hmm. uh I think there's also just that like segment of the population that doesn't understand. Yeah. So then they just look at it as it as it just being a negative a negative experience, mm-hmm. or you know just making fun of it. Like, like I've heard comics be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go home and cut myself." I'm like, "Yeah, some people would do that." Like, it's mm-hmm. not like okay, uh, you can say that if you're gonna like make fun of it. I don't know do it intelligently like that's what's the joke right in that. um and i i don't know like in my i tend to prefer like humor that punches up instead of like punching at somebody okay. who is still struggling i know that that dark like some people think talking about mental health in general is punching down right. um and i'm like no it's like erasing the stigma and making awareness right um 
and then talking about death makes people uncomfortable. Like a couple months ago, I was talking about my mom's um, death on stage, right. and this woman came up to me after the show, and she was like in her 60s and she's like um just so you know i lost my mom two weeks ago and we are burying her this saturday and i found your joke to be extremely offensive and i needed you to know that wow yeah like okay sorry didn't know you were going through that. Let me just not tell my jokes. Like, yeah, like you waited a long time to bury just, your mom. People... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks to have on ice. Oh, wow. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, she went. It should have been you. No, uh. <laughs> that's crazy, and it and it feels like that's like a lot of the the stories nowadays is people like making everything about them. Yeah. Uh, or I think they, cause comics, I, I think more comics now are coming from a very authentic place and talking about their own personal experiences. Whereas like 30 years ago, we're just kind of like, uh, making up kind of situations. And so I think that people still think that comics are, are, haven't experienced like half of what we talk about. Do you, do you, do you think that, that, cause come on. I've listened to a community be like, so I was in the store the other day. And it's like, yeah, were you really in the fucking store? <laughs> I get it. So, but do you think that, that that is happening more and more? I mean, from from the inside, looking, you know, being able to see and talk to their comics, that these are genuine experiences that they're they're living, that they're making a joke or embellishing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely embellishing. I mean, the, the timeline for sure. the fun, sure. though, is yeah. embellishing, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so, I mean... How like how many times can things happen just the other day? So like the timeline, uh, of right. course, is is um, embellished. But yeah, I think more comics are trying to to look for specific experiences to them because there's the there's more oversaturation in comedy, and that can lead to parallel thinking. So like eight comics can have basically the same exact joke and are paranoid like oh did they steal my joke and it's like no it's you guys are doing observational comedy on the same and, thing. and yeah and i know that's a huge thing like stealing jokes mm-hmm. i know there was like stuff with some famous comedians being mm-hmm. accused of stealing jokes and stuff like that and i know i can't remember who it was someone did bring up that point though was like if you're making a commentary on like a current event it's only a matter of time before someone else makes the same, the same, you know, comes to the same point that you did without hearing your joke. Yeah. Like, the, you know, it's not going to be, I don't know, it, it's easy to come to the same viewpoint on something or, or come to the same punchline just because that seemed like the logical punchline for mm-hmm. it. And then people get bent out of shape about it, like, oh, they're stealing my stuff. Yeah. So I think that that has led to people being like, okay, well, if I write about my specific experience, it's going to be hard for somebody to to steal that. Do you ever do you ever get, dive into like current events and news and stuff like that? Because I mean, shit, the stuff going on nowadays just feels like it's a fucking yeah. it's a joke. I mean, I'm pretty sure someone already made a movie about what's everything's happening. <laughs> so. I I sometimes like touch on it. Um, most of the time, uh, I when it comes to current events, I'm I'm pretty bad at writing like or i can i mean i can write the drug it's just not gonna do well uh, right <laughs> well and uh and it can you s- never know who your audience mm-hmm. is yeah. holy shit oh i've seen yeah audience uh current events jokes can be like very divisive right. um i mean when with when the audience hears my jokes it 
it's pretty they can probably guess like yeah. where i stand where uh, on the political spectrum. right yeah. <laughs> but i never but no one wants to be the hecklers to be like locker up or send her home so. yeah <laughs> this is, that's crazy is it uh where, where do you see it going now so you've been it looks like you've been pretty busy mm-hmm. all over the place and you said you've gone across the country what's that been like that like doing that that travel and with an album did you do a tour or like how how does that all all that work out like um the the album has been has been fun it's been pushing me to write more uh, I haven't traveled as far as I have uh, wanted to with it, but that was because I I wanted to make the choice of okay if I am going to travel with this like as my album I want to have at least thirty solid minutes. Um, it, now was that all recorded like at shows that you did? Uh, so that was recorded in one night at Sellerman's okay. in Hazel Park. Okay. And uh, which was a gamble. Most comics like will record it over a weekend at the same club, uh, right. so they can kind of cut it together. Right, because you may deliver a joke that does way better with one crowd yeah. than it did with another crowd, and you don't want the crickets crowd for sure. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, well, hopefully these. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what made you make that decision then? Uh, to record it, or, or no, wait? well, that and to do just the one night take. Uh, money to (laughs) (laughs) okay fair enough uh yeah uh money was definitely the deciding factor with that and then the decision to record it was um i was like i've been doing comedy for uh like half it like over half a decade um and i i don't have a good video clip i wanted something to to give myself especially since i was like turning 30 and i feel like i was doing much i was still unemployed um and so that uh, that kind of like helped put like a a marker on on what I had done in comedy to that point for me at least, mm-hmm. and it it it, pu- it did push me to write more. Like I have written more, I would say, in the past four months than I did like all of last year. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's because you put out the album, and now you're mm-hmm. like, all right, time to get back to writing yeah. stuff. Because, and that's that's part of it, right? Like a lot of times where it's uh, all right, I've done these jokes for long enough. Now they're actually out there where people can get it and listen to it anytime. So now I have to do something fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the uh, comedians like locking up cell phones and stuff like that? Um, I definitely, I definitely get it. Both in that like, it takes a, a joke a long time to get to a place where you want it. Right. And so. I know a couple um, like famous comics jokes. Like Chris Rock had some leak where people were making fun of him. And it's like, no, that joke you can tell one is a great premise, and two is going to be a very strong joke once, once he works it out. Yeah. Um, so there's that, and there's also joke stealing as well, um, where if somebody takes the premise that somebody's working at and is able to get it to a, a good point faster, then they can be like, well, I right. I did that. Like, I, I went and seen Kevin Hart when he came to town last fall uh and that was was fucking bananas first of all there is no cell phone things everywhere signs everything everywhere do not have your cell phone powered on if you wanted to be on your phone you could be like out in the like main corridor around the arena but if you were in the arena you cannot have your cell phone out and if you did it couldn't be powered on and you know me and her my girl were talking about like how are they even gonna police all this 
Well, the answer was pretty pretty cool. Uh, they had people walking up and down the aisles with glow sticks on a necklace. And they would just walk up and down the aisles. And if they saw someone on their phone, they'd take that necklace off and start spinning it like crazy. And you can see that from the other side of the arena. That glow stick's spinning. It sticks out like a sore thumb. And like a SWAT team would just whoo, come right down. See ya. And I mean, we watched the, these people across the aisle from us. The lady was on her phone and four people left because one lady was on her phone and they were all like, well, we're not going to leave it. You know, she's, they all went, she's like, I wasn't even on my phone. And, and there was no questions asked. You could not argue your way out of it. And like the announcer. So he had his, uh, plastic cup boys, like his little, his group of friends, uh, they all performed and opened for him. But, uh, the MC, I mean, even said like, don't be an idiot, put your fucking phone away at the end. You'll be able to take your phone out and take pictures and shit. But we've been working on this stuff for a long time. It's, you know, it's a new tour that we're doing. We don't want to ruin it for the future audiences because you guys are recording this shit that he's saying. And it wasn't so much as like, you know, experimenting with new jokes. Like this was the set of jokes, you know, this was the performance and he was just trying to keep it from getting ahead of him. Yeah. Because then it's, you know, if you already know the jokes, it makes it, it can make it less funny Mm -hmm. than going and seeing it live. So it was, it was really interesting and it was amazing to see how many people got escorted out and i mean they said they, they played in ohio i think he did it in ohio the night before and he said like like 200 people got kicked out so i mean and it's just put your fucking phone away yeah it was ridiculous i'm like well, how hard is it just to keep your fucking phone away so but it was it was crazy and then i know others make you put your phones in like a a weird like sealed bag or in a box and stuff like that and mm-hmm. i get it and it's just sad that like you have to get to that point yeah, oh, I know Chappelle is doing a free show in Dayton tonight. Oh, and, really? Yeah, oh. And, and I think he's doing that there too. Yeah, uh, but he's been pumping out a lot of material. He has been. I mean, he just didn't he just do like two or three Netflix things uh, within the last year? I think. Yeah, he's been he's been a lot busier. Yeah. He's done yeah two um, two his first year, then he did two last year, and then he just came out with something new. Yeah. How long does it take you to refine a joke when you when you start writing and performing it? How long does it take you to get it to where you're like, this is it? Um, normally, like, uh, for about four months of like performing it, really, like, because I'll think of tags for it along the way. I mean, and there's sometimes there's some jokes that I've had for like two years that I'll like think of a tag for it now. Um, and thankfully, I didn't think they were strong enough to be put on the album, so I can still You can use still it. use them? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Do you ever, when you tell people you're a comedian, get sick of, so tell me a joke? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't have the same effect, like, in a, in a one-on-one setting uh, as, it, as it does, like, in, a, in an actual... Well, and from my experience watching comedy most comedy is like a story. Mm-hmm. There's like a buildup. It isn't just like, let me tell you a punchline right now. I can give you a stupid joke. You know, my dad is the king of stupid jokes. <laughs> and how many times I've heard this, heard this one and he'll, he'll tell it so seriously. If you, if you listen to this dad, this one, you'll enjoy it. He'll probably laugh his ass off. Cause he thinks it's the funniest fucking thing. And you've probably <laughs> heard it before, but, uh, you know, Last year, I had a really serious problem, and I had this addiction to soap that I just couldn't kick, you know, and, and my family intervened, and they had an intervention and everything, and I mean, it took a really long time, but I'm clean now. 
<laughs> and my dad will laugh at that fucking joke. And it, I mean, it was literally like a year. We heard that every time we got together, he told that joke and he would die laughing like it was the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? Ah! You know, but it's like, it's not like that, right? When you meet someone and you're like, yeah, I'm a comedian. You know, and it's like, tell me a joke. I mean, mm-hmm. you just pull one of those ones out. Jeez, what was the one? Uh, God, I just read one this morning that was hilarious. It had to do with laundry. Oh, I did the laundry. Like, I had fun doing the laundry today. Or, oh, I did the laundry today. It was loads of fun. Like, you know, like <laughs> something stupid like that. Uh, yeah, like, if I told my mom 9-11 joke to, like, a non-comic, it was like, tell me a joke. Yeah. They'd, they'd be like, what the fuck did you yeah. just tell me? That wasn't funny. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree. Do you think the the crowd like that experience lends to it too? Like the the crowd experience. Like there's some people that are like, I hate going to the movies. Yeah. I personally like going to the movies because I like when that funny parts happens, the whole crowd laughing. Mm-hmm. Like I like that that weird interaction. I do hate people being on their phones. Yeah, uh, same. Cell phones just need to die. Just, I mean, they're they're useful. Don't get me wrong. It's like but, another place that should lock them up. Yeah, movie right. For sure, or just put a jammer out or something. Yeah. Something that's just like EMP them things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something because it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. I've, I've sat in a movie and someone answered the phone like, "Hello, you know what's up?" Uh huh. It's like, come yeah. on, are you serious? I will like whenever like I hear that and like the person is like close enough, I will do like make like all my gestures like very big like my body <laughs> swivel like who is this person like i could like i could like peripheral it like yeah but mm-hmm. no i'm like i want them to know start throwing popcorn shame like shame. <laughs> <laughs> man so so what's next like um you staying in this area are you traveling more you got anything planned uh, in any other areas of the country like Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to travel, uh, around the Midwest, um, for most of November, um, this, uh, this year. And then I'm going to like hit up some spots, uh, um, in the Midwest on the East side, like, uh, Pittsburgh and all that okay. this year as well. And then next year I'm going to be like traveling more, um, throughout the, the entire country. So you always go back to Indiana just for your comfort spot. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Makes me feel better. In the middle of a tour, like, oh, this shit is not going. I gotta go back, (laughs) guys. We need a pit stop in Indiana. They get me. (laughs) Now, do you do you usually do this like on your own, or do you go with like another fellow comic, or how does that work? Um, for a lot of times, uh, because I used to tour the South, uh, uh, pretty frequently, and I had a friend who who booked us on all the shows. He was the headliner, and I featured for him, and he is very funny. And I uh, had enough confidence in me and okay. I have almost no confidence. And so I was like, basically like all my bookings happened like word of mouth, other people telling uh, bookers about me and them reaching out. Right. So how do you have no confidence? Um, and, and then, but you get in front of a crowd and tell them about your mom dying. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few places um, that I feel comfortable in okay. life. So I'm like, even if um, the show didn't go well, I still like could feel like I was being my authentic self. Um, and just people don't like who I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. uh, but, <laughs> but I, I, I'm always like, I'm always aware that I'm like, oh, there's, there's funnier comics or there's comics who may be better suited for that room. Right. Um, and, and just 
being able to to have the blessing of other people like put me out there um have made it pretty easy to get booked in in those rooms like again or like make connections while I was there to to even other rooms um and that's how I've, I've been able to to do that um what, what I want to continue to um go back to those rooms and then also expand and then I want to uh do like a web series or like a mini okay like web webisodes um death focused uh you know staying on brand okay. uh <laughs> gotta stay on brand uh and just talking talking to people about what they think happened after death after death mm-hmm. what do you think happened let's get deep what do you think happened? <laughs> i uh i stray for most comics and i'm like I, I think that there's a heaven and or like at least some like pleasant uh pleasant place or uh maybe like reincarnation like there's this like seagull book it's like i think it's like a children's book and get real real deep i think i've heard of that jonathan livingston seagull god i think yeah, i think i've heard of that yeah it was real popular for a minute um and it's about like the seagull like going and like kind of like being re- uh, reborn and each situation he was able to like learn something or grow as a a being um okay. and so something along along that so are you like religious or spiritual or or is that that you draw the line right there at death that's that's when you get spiritual <laughs> other than that no um i i was i was raised catholic um but oh the catholic church is not uh <laughs> not not making uh, not making a sprout um <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be the cool pope, uh, yeah. and then I was like, "What? Well, he's been covering up like ones in Chile and France." Yeah, they've always been. But do you th- look? Do you think the pope really is overseeing all that, or do you think that's just the they're just the front man? Um, I think for for a lot of them that he, he's just like a front man. I think that's a lot for yeah. a lot of things. I think mm-hmm. that there's some people that are like even like a president is the front man. I think there's a lot of stuff that gets taken care of by people under them or never even makes it to the top because it, it would be bad. So there's just, it never even makes it up mm-hmm. unless something breaks out, some kind of scandal. It's and crazy. then they have to take the brunt of it because they're the figurehead. Like I, I have been questioning so much about it. So I'm yeah. like, I am loosely Christian. Like I, loosely. Okay. <laughs> uh, when it suits you. <laughs> I <laughs> in my like like Christianity at its core is just like believing that there was like a god and they had a son and then mm-hmm. died for sins and be good to other people. That's it. Right. And then everything else is just things that people layered on top of. Right. So I'm like I'm all about being kind to other people. That's, that's no I, that <laughs> philosophy i think it's just a, it should be a general human one whether mm-hmm. you're religious or not just yeah be kind to each other for sure that's funny <laughs> well because come on i mean i've personally known those people that are like oh yeah i'm really i believe in this and i believe in that but i'm gonna go uh, you know do this last weekend man oh shit i got you know shit face doing blow <laughs> you yeah. know like like had a crazy rager of a weekend and then uh <laughs> and then you know but then sunday went to church and everything's all well you know mm-hmm. so eh, i don't know i'm personally not religious i was baptized catholic and i did go to like 
Sunday school catechism classes and stuff like that for a little while. Uh, and then I've just kind of explored other ones. Like I had a buddy that was Buddhist, so then I learned a little bit about that. I've known quite a few Jehovah's Witnesses, and that's <laughs> fucking run for the hills there. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. Look, and, and nothing against any, like, Jehovah's Witness, the religion, but the fact that people I knew were kicked out and their family couldn't talk to them. Like, they couldn't associate. He, the, my one buddy, his mom and dad would still talk to him even though they weren't supposed to. And they would invite him over for dinner, but he couldn't eat with the family. He had to eat in another room on his own. His sister would never never talk to him again. Like, oh, my God. Like, it's crazy. And anything that, like, makes you do that to your family member. Like, Scientology is the same thing. Like, oh, if they're, uh, uh, fucking, what do they call them? A, a subversive, whatever the hell the word is they use. Like, oh, don't talk to him. You got to get them all out of your life. Like, I don't know. That's, I have problems with that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that agree. isn't being good to each other. Yeah, just that... because they don't believe what you believe or they're doing something different. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I have, I see the benefit, like you said, like it's a, like if you use it as a code to, to live by and to treat people good and, you know, be a good person. I get it, but there's some hypocrites out there too. So yeah. I said like people use, some people are like relaxing. cherry pick what they want to. Uh... Yeah. Yes. For <laughs> sure. For mm. sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You ever do religious jokes? Uh, I do. Is there any topic that you won't touch? Um, mm, politics. Um, yeah. Yeah. Politics is almost, I think, I think at this point nowadays, at least in, in America, touching politics is worse than religion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I don't touch that. And then, um... I generally, uh, like, stay away from, like, the heavy side of sexual assault. Like, uh... No rape jokes? No, no, not for me, at least. Like, if somebody, if somebody experienced it themselves, like, granted, like, uh, like, I, I've been in that situation. I, I just don't know how to make it funny yet, but I know that there are some comics who, who have also been, and who have great jokes about it, so, like, kudos to them. Um, but I don't, yeah, I'm not good at it enough, uh, at writing that kind of material to like, at least like bring the audience on. When you, when you see comics do that stuff, like rape or abortion, like if it's funny, are you laughing? Like, Mm -hmm. cause I, cause I've seen some masterful ones where it was like, so I seen a comedian do, this is a famous comedian. I don't, fuck it. He did it, Tosh. So <laughs> he famously had, so you know, he had he made a joke about I think it was rape, and someone went after him and like was trying to sue him or something like that, whatever. Uh, so when we seen him, he he made a joke about that. It was like you know, all right, you know, you, you, oh yeah, you know, what would you do? You wouldn't think it's so funny if your daughter got raped. Oh, I'd be like, you know what? She's probably stronger than that anyway because she survived the abortion. So, like, and, and it was just, like, his so nonchalant how he did it. But, I mean, it was fucking hilarious. Like, it died. And then he started talking about an endorsement from Dyson. <laughs> it's like, I got the perfect spot. For, for, you know, like, I don't know. To me, it was hilarious to, to take something that is generally a taboo or, or, mm-hmm. and make a joke that makes people laugh. And 
and understand that it's that it's not coming from a negative place. It's literally to make you laugh at the shit that makes you uncomfortable to laugh it off. I don't think enough people try to laugh it off. It, but I don't know if that's from... I mean, obviously you've had some trauma in your life that you have turned into material that makes you laugh. And I've gone through enough shit in my life that I try to laugh everything off too. Yeah, it's like it's a good um, it's a good defense mechanism. Like and that's, that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's a coping mechanism yeah. for sure. Uh, like I, I love uh, I love almost all abortion jokes. <laughs> um, <laughs> they. Jeselnik's horrible too. <laughs> He's atrocious, and it's fucking funny. Like rape jokes, I'm like fifty fifty on. Like if it's well done and it doesn't, if it doesn't punch down at the person who experienced right. it, then I am on board. Like if it punches at the person who is uh, the aggressor, then all for it, and, yeah. and it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You'd be surprised if you go to open mic. There's like, do you, do you watch the? Does that? I mean, that's got a bomb, right? Yeah, it does. It, does it get fucking awkward? Mm-hmm. Oh, very awkward. And does it make they... you cringe? Are you just like inside like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, I love is... that feeling and I hate it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I, I watch movies all the time. Like, I'm a huge movie buff and I'll watch movies and it'll be so fucking cringy. So awkward. I'm like, no. Oh, mm-hmm. and then like, I can't stop watching, but it just makes me so uncomfortable on the inside. I'm like just curling up and dying inside, but I'm like, I can't stop watching. It's so horrible. Yeah. Like, oh, <sighs> it's like and, a train wreck. And watching it, it, the comics normally, like who, who do that kind of stuff normally turn on the audience and we're like, you guys don't get me. It's like, mm, mm, no, no. That, that one's on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I should probably cut that one, right? <laughs> yeah. Especially when you see them do it like eight to ten times and it's like the same reaction because there's like some comics you see who like you see them have like a very strong joke in front of one audience so you know it can do well right you can right Mm -hmm. but yeah those jokes are normally uh, have you ever seen someone that was trying to do comedy that you thought like this isn't your thing uh without naming people (laughs) (laughs) um there have been a couple, because I think comedy is so subjective as well, that mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, they're not my cup of tea, but I'm sure they would have an audience somewhere. <laughs> a small audience. <laughs> <laughs> a very tiny cafe uh, what do you What do you think about people that are like, oh, I could do that? Um, I, I love it when they actually try, because uh, some are, are legit pretty good at it um, when they do it and if they continue to pursue it do great things and then there's some who discover that oh wow this is not as easy i've been trying to get my brother to do comedy for forever just because the shit he says is so off the wall like literally yesterday so we used we had a trampoline that he came and picked up yesterday and he calls me on the phone and i'm driving i got my girlfriend and my daughter in the car and you never know what's coming out of this kid's mouth okay (laughs) and he's 26 now uh, and you just never know what the fuck's coming out of his mouth. And I'm like, yeah, dude. I was like, bring your swim shorts and you can jump in the pool, you know, when you're done or whatever. And he's like, nah, dude, nah, it's too fucking cold. I'm not swimming. He's like, but I'm going to head over there in a sec. You know what? Actually, I'm going to take a shower because my butthole smells like fucking shit. And, and like, my daughter and my girlfriend are, like, dying because it's on speakerphone in the car. You know, and he just keeps going, though. And he's just saying all this raunchy <laughs> stuff. And my daughter's like, 
in the back. And then, like, as soon as I get off the phone, she's like, oh, my God, Uncle Ryan is so funny. <laughs> and it's like, you can't even tell him. Like, if I would have been like, yo, my kid's in the car, he'd have been like, so fucking what? <laughs> she needs to know what a smelly butthole is anyway. Like, that's what he says. And, uh, I mean, he he's always doing, like, that outrageous and, like, trying to get attention. Which is another thing I think leads to, to comedians sometimes is that like searching for that attention, like always trying to be funny. Cause like there's some people that'll tell you like, Oh, I've been the center of attention since I was a little kid. You know? And that, that's why I think he'd be good. Were you that person or were you the like shy, oh. didn't want to come out of your shell? Oh, super shy. Like hide in the corner. Like even now it shows like once I'm done performing, like I want that you to just be disappear it. Yeah. in the background. Mm hmm. Like, there's some, some venues that have you do the receiving line with people uh, as they leave, and that, oh, is so uncomfortable Do you for do, like, me. like, meet and greets and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is I... Is it awkward? Yes. <laughs> have you had any stalkers yet? Um, I have had, uh, like, some, uh, some guys get pretty persistent, um, and, like, social media and stuff and they'll come to a few shows but not like a creepy amount of shows um what's a define a fucking creepy <laughs> amount of shows like every show if a guy's on, on instagram like oh, da, 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 and then shows up at your show i think that makes that the amount that needs to be defined as creepy right <laughs> come to one show that's okay let's support two shows you might really like me three shows now you're just getting fucking creepy <laughs> That's a good scale. Yeah. (laughs) For show, okay, I don't need your money anymore. Leave me alone. (laughs) But tell your friends about me. (laughs) See, I could be a comedian. I could do this. Uh, (laughs) It's just crazy. I don't know. It's got to be weird being up on a stage like that. Is there any point where you feel like, did did you have the like, yeah, I'm I'm kind of making it? Um, or not yet because it's not paying for your whole life at mm -hmm. this point right yeah um and it's so hard to get to that point too when there are people like that are like i can do comedy and i wouldn't be in it for the money and i'm like oh you know there's the money good luck it's a a hustle just like anything else like you could do comedy on the weekends Mm -hmm. and it not be about the money yeah and uh, you could also suck, <laughs> or you could do really good. I, I guess you could if it really wasn't about the money. But then again, like, is it that you get to the point where you're like, man, this is fucking awesome. I don't want to work a normal job. I want to be able to just do this. Yeah, when you can like pretty consistently get laughs. Like, if I would say six or seven out of ten sets are like make you feel really good, um, that. For to me, that is like okay. I don't. I want to do this. I want to keep on pursuing this, uh, and being able to get gigs like um, when I opened for Jim Norton, the audience. Wait, had, you opened for Jim Norton? Yeah. No fucking way. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. God, he's horribly raunchy. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's all prost. I got like I got one of his books over here. <laughs> no way, dude. He's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, he kills me. Did you ever see uh, Lucky Louie? On HBO, it was Louis C.K.'s original show that he had on HBO. Mm-mm. Dude, Jim Norton was like my favorite part about it. <laughs> oh, fucking hilarious. Sorry, oh, but no, I, I love Jim Norton. He's I would love to see him live, and he's such a weird looking motherfucker too. <laughs> he was I, so I mean... <laughs> sweet. Um, he had he had food poisoning. Um... <laughs> 
He had food poisoning the the day of our show, so he was just like, "Oh, that sucks." So sick. I mean, he still gave a great performance, but like, I didn't want to bother him. And that's room. that's gotta be fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. That had to be an awesome feeling, right? Yeah, to have to have that. Where was that um, at? That was at Andiamo in Warren. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've, I DJed a wedding there once. I didn't realize how many people that they could that see. Can fit in there? Yeah. That's please fucking huge. So that had like that had close to a thousand people um seated in there and to so to have like uh that opportunity to both work with him and then also to reach an audience that big, that big. Mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome yeah um so that like that got me like a couple more like i've uh, had a couple brushes with fame but not like that that'd, that'd be pretty fucking awesome mm-hmm. and then i worked with robert kelly okay uh yeah. and it was being able to like work with the that audience as well was super cool I, uh, um and he's very funny i ran into jeff ross once that was, uh, we went to, God, was it Funny or Die? I don't know. It was a fucking comedy show that was, it was at DTE or Pine Oh, Pinot, yeah, Funny or Die Oddball Festival. It, it, yeah, I think that mm-hmm. was it. Oh, that was a who's who of all the fucking popular comedians. It was fucking nuts. Yeah. I mean, it was Amy Schumer, Aziz Ansari, Nick Kroll, uh, Jeselnik, uh, Jeff Ross, obviously. Um, God, what's her name? Bridget something. She's this big, raunchy girl. Mm-hmm. Um, that was crazy, but I was walking through the crowd to go get water, and then just like Jeff Ross is like right next to me, he's like, Oh, so what do you think of this crowd? I was like, It's fucking awesome, yeah. He comes, yo, I think... dude. I was like, I'm a huge fan of yours. This is this, this is fucking awesome. And I mean, it was like a $30 ticket, you get to see all these people that normally you pay like $30 or more just to see them. So it was awesome, that was a great experience. Yeah, I had a friend perform, um, because they have like a side stage, yeah, side stage up. And so I had a friend get me, uh, like a free wristband, um like two years ago but uh that that show that you went to um the, that lineup was like i'd already been doing comedy at that point because yeah. i remember that um one of my friends was performing on the side stage that year like posting like that because it, it looks cool yeah. when like your name is like right next right to next to those people right <laughs> i mean it's just gotta be like a fucking like yeah okay yeah so, yeah mm-hmm. you know that's that's gotta be awesome so i mean so did you ever feel at a point yet where you're like okay I'm, I'm i'm getting enough traction that if it feels like you're making it um what would ma- and if not what would make you feel like you made it i'm not sure what would make me feel like i made it like when i when i do the fort wayne shows and i have like a group of people who um are fans yeah like they're not other comics who are just trying to be supportive like they're legit people who uh, enjoy my comedy they're I'm real like, people yeah <laughs> <laughs> You're just supporting me because you're a comedian. You have to. <laughs> but these people in Indiana, they're yeah. real. Right here. Uh, right in my heart. Um, so, yeah, that that makes me feel good. Um, and then having so many people support my album sale uh, was was a good feeling. Um, it was, like, also, like, a lot of these people are my own friends. So, right. <laughs> so, so, like, uh, so, and that's, like, with the show. And so I published a book too, which uh, is kind of dark. I was a delivery guy for 10 years and I wrote a book about all my like bizarre delivery stories, like hoarder houses and like titties coming out of shirts and gay guys, old men hitting on me and just all kinds of just, and the people I worked with were just as bizarre as everybody that I delivered to. But it was, uh, you know, you expect like your close friends and family, like the obligatory I'm going to get your stuff. Even like with the show, like yesterday I broke 700 downloads and I think I'm at 
16 episodes I think I have up there. I'd have to pull it up. But uh, when I hit 500, I was like, okay, I'm past the point of friends and family, actually. <laughs> like, there's like someone's consistently yeah. listening. Uh, and it's crazy when I pull up the map to see, like, I've had multiple in India, multiple in Germany, like, um, quite a few in Canada. I've in probably 40 out of the 50 states. Uh, so it's really cool to see, like, it's being downloaded here. It's being downloaded there all over here. And it's kind of like, I don't know anyone in fucking Russia or, well, that one scares me a little bit. <laughs> the Russian ones do scare me slightly, you know? Uh, and I've been getting some really fucking weird messages on Facebook that are from people I know that look like they've been hacked or something. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced this, but on Messenger, it'll be from someone I know, and it'll be a video clip, and it's like, I, what are you doing in this video? Or, hey, you're in this video. Yeah, I've been, I got a couple of those. And if you click it, days. it takes you to another site, and it like, wants you to log in with your password and shit. I'm like, I'm not a fool. Fuck you. Yeah. So, but, like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with that. Yeah, I don't even uh, click, because clicking it can also give them, yeah. like, just. Well, the first one, I was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck are you talking about? Click. Oh, you want my login stuff? No. <laughs> yeah, like I, I bet so many people have been like, okay, uh, and and done it. But I'm like, no, uh, like that was like a red flag, especially like having like yeah. so many like cybersecurity classes in college. I'm like, Mm-mm, no, yeah. no, it, it's crazy. <laughs> have you ever had like a show? Like, uh, worked with just, like, a like a shady booker or something like that where you didn't get paid like you were supposed to, stuff like that. Because, I mean, I've, I've had that happen DJing before. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever run into that kind of scenario? Yeah. Um, not getting paid. Uh, or not getting paid as much as you were supposed to. Yeah, not getting paid as much. Um, uh, especially being a female in comedy. Like, you find out, like, really? a dude who did the same exact time got paid more. <laughs> right. Um, so that that's pretty common unfortunately <laughs> uh it's probably too many instances to um to say there's yeah and there's also like so many like um like a handful of known bookers in michigan who people are just like nope not working no. yeah have you ever had the pervy booker uh yes um i've had like bookers like run their hands up my thighs uh being like you have a boyfriend i'm like yep uh and they're like he doesn't have to know uh and i'm like not worth it uh (laughs) so now i'm not gonna do this show right yeah i mean pretty Mm -hmm. much yep um god it's so crazy yeah uh so i've had that um i've had like bookers try to put their hands up my shirt um uh i've had uh like bookers just try to like verbally solicit Mm -hmm. um and i I think it happens more like it hasn't happened in a while Um, well i mean look at the mm -hmm. where things are at now yeah i I think thankfully because of that but there's also so many newer female comics or female identifying comics i talk to and it still happens to them so i think that there's like just that dynamic of it definitely does feel like that in the last two years uh, there's been a way bigger acknowledgement of, mm-hmm. of female comics. I mean, they've always been there, and there's always been great ones that you, you know, but, like, like I never knew how fucking funny Joan Rivers was, right? Was it Joan Rivers? Yeah, like, yeah. she was fucking raunchy and hilarious. I never mm-hmm. knew. But, like, seeing 
Especially, I think, like, Amy Schumer was a huge one, even though I didn't personally find her funny when I saw her at that Oddball Comedy Fest. Uh, she has some funny bits to me, but she's not really my favorite. Um, that other girl, though, that Bridget lady, holy yeah. shit. I don't think she gets enough uh, publicity. She's fucking crazy. Yeah. Let me tell you this, and my girlfriend loves raunchy comedy, and she was going to pee her pants, and she will. And she was, the whole time, was like, Jay, I can't, she, I mean, in between sobbing breaths, was like, I can't watch anymore, I'm going to pee my pants right here on this hill. <laughs> but, I mean, she came out and whipped her tits out and was, like, dancing around with her titties out and stuff. And, like, was just going crazy. And then she, like, because, like, she came out to this rock song. I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was, like, an ACDC or something. And she's just fucking holding her tits and bouncing them around and stuff. And then she walks out into the crowd. And she literally got on, like, this guy's lap and, like, started putting her tits in his face and stuff. And then, like, the music calmed down. And she was like, oh. And she, like, put herself back together. And she was like, how young are you? know, how old are you, darling? And he was, like, 17. She's like. Is this your girlfriend? And he's like, no, it's my mom. And she's like, oh, hi. But for that kid, that probably had to be the best night because every comedian after her either called on him somehow in the crowd, acknowledging him, or called him up on stage. Like, so, like, he... I mean, that that would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, did he look like he was having a good time? Oh, or, yeah, um, yeah, it, but it was it was hilarious, and other people called him back up on the crowd and stuff, you know, it was it was really funny, and, uh, but that, that lady was fucking raunchy, <laughs> and then I know, what's her name, uh, blonde hair, I can't remember what her name is, uh, she had a show on Comedy Central, um, not, like, not work safe, or, uh, oh. what's her name? There's Nikki Glaser. Nikki Glaser. Mm-hmm. That that Bridget lady was on Nikki Glaser's with, uh, I want to say Kyle Kinane. Was it Kyle Kinane? It was so, whoever, dude, it was badly, it was horribly funny. It was, it was just so, so, oh no, it was um, the Australian, uh, what's his name, um, had the show on FXX. Uh, God, he's fucking hilarious. I can't think. He's Australian. Yeah, I know who you're talking about, though. He he almost, to me, he kind of looks like Anthony Jeselnik in a weird way. Um, with, like, a more like a square weirdly face. way, yeah. Um, oh, God, what the hell is his name? He, he can't, this is pissing me off. Anyway, they were there, and, like, there was some dildo talk and stuff. And he's pretty, like, out there, makes people uncomfortable. And this Bridget lady was making him uncomfortable. It was <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> You know, so it, like that stuff was just great. I mean, it was just nuts. And seeing that women comics are getting so much mm-hmm. more acknowledgement, I think that is awesome because it's a different perspective. Whether you're a guy or not, like it's a different perspective to see things told from the other side too. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that there's that, but there's also like so. I mean, there's definitely uh, dude. Uh, dude comics um that like prey on the newer female comics even though there's like a lot more out there i just think it's like a power dynamic like i've been around the scene enough where like i think people know like if you try something i'm gonna say something right uh that i think that there's like kind of like a fear um and a lot of comedy is just like a like a longevity game so like uh a lot of comics like quit after like a few years if they why don't... do you think that is um it's a lot like it's a lot, so emotionally exhausting yeah. um 
to like put yourself in a vulnerable place night after night and uh if if you don't like consistently get get laughs which like nobody does like even like even the greats still talk about bombing some nights and to them that's even more wild because like you should know what you're getting at but then again you talked about that tosh show where like there's yeah. still people in the audience. Throwing <laughs> fucking shit at him. I mean, he was like, I guess you feel like I need to wear this tie and stuff. And they escorted her out. But yeah, I mean, it was like, don't you know what show yeah. you came to? So, right. um, so that, I think people think that it's going to be more financially lucrative than it, it ends up being. and It's more work than they you, thought. Yeah. Because um, I mean, really, from the outside looking in, and I don't know if you thought this before you really started getting into it. I mean, it just seems like you're telling jokes. Like, you're having a good time, having a laugh. Like, you don't see the work that's behind it that goes into writing those jokes and testing those jokes out. Like, that's one thing I've seen uh, a couple times where they're like, oh, X, you know, some famous comedian totally bombed this club. And it's like, because he's trying new material yeah. out. Like, oh, that was a horribly written joke because he's trying to fine-tune it or she's trying to fine-tune yeah. it. Yeah, and the statistics... Um... Or, like, with the stats that people... It's definitely not official. Uh, the numbers that people normally give, they're, like... They say that, like, comedy is, like, 30% being funny, 70% social networking. And so a lot of comics, like, hate that... The having to, like, mingle or having to, like, reach out. Or uh, some some clubs won't book you unless they see your face. So, like, having to drive for free, like, eight hours to show your face on a baby. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? So, like, you gotta go meet with them. Yeah. Damn. Um, so, it's, like, a, it's a lot more commitment than what some people, like, think in their mind. Like, they, right. I think they think it's gonna be a lot easier than what it is. But, no, you have to be very comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> what do you, how do you view all the the way the social media plays in all of everything now um, with the networking and it definitely helps um especially for like people who have social anxiety uh, like myself like it allows me to oh i'm so sorry uh... <laughs> <laughs> hey you went the whole time without doing it all right i had someone the other time like a few days ago that were just like nailing the mic left and right so <laughs> it's okay i can't hear now so <laughs> I just want to make an impact. Right. Uh, you just clearly did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it definitely allows uh, like hermits like myself to like still be social without having to like always like be present. Do you find it grinding? For me, I do. I I never had Instagram or Twitter, and I was like literally like a once a year Facebook user. Like, I had a profile, and once a year, I would just, like, log in. What's going on? And anyone trying to get a hold of me? Nope. Cool. See you next year. <laughs> and now I'm, like, forcing myself to be more active because for this to work, because it's not just me, I have to be able to network and try to get it out there to try to get people to listen. So it's, like, it's a lot of work, and I see other podcasts and stuff that, like, they're putting in way more work than I am every day you know, four, five, six, up to 10 posts a day, mm-hmm. like on Instagram or on Facebook and stuff like that, where I'm just like, fuck, I'll go yeah. days without posting something. No, same. Like my Instagram and my Twitter could definitely be better managed. Like I spend most of my time on Facebook um, and with struggling with mental health, if like there's so many like studies that, that recommend a social media cleanse of just not using right. it in it. In it has been proven to help um, well, with sure, like, depression because of, and anxiety. Well, because of the, the uh, 
the pressure can put on you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a very, uh, you can live very vicariously through other people's yeah. lives and feel totally shitty about yours. Mm-hmm. Good thing about me is I don't care about anybody else. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't care what your family is doing. You know, I'm just trying to do my own stuff. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I wish, I wish I could. But with with with, uh, with most entertainment things, it's um, it's almost like, especially if like you're just like kind of getting your your foot in the door, uh, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to just not do social media completely. Right. It's what it's been interesting to me from when I used to DJ and stuff is it used to be like flyers around town and stuff like that. And now you don't even have to do that anymore. It's, it can just be all through this. You can instantly Mm -hmm. reach people and hope that others find you, you know, through people that are already following you. Uh, so it's, it's, it is really useful. It just feels like such a grind. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know Gen Z keeps on like trying to develop like a different platform just because of like how, how soul sucking sometimes that the right. current ones can feel. The and newest one's going to be even more soul sucking. Yeah. Come on. Um, and like none of the ones <laughs> that they've developed like have stuck yet either too. Like they always find their way back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And it's just, it, it, it's interesting to see because some people, I mean, to be famous just because you're on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like who would have thought? Yeah, thought? it's it, it's wild and it's cool though because you don't have to deal with the same gatekeepers. True, mm-hmm. you don't, and that's like one of the the benefits and one of the it's the opposite of a fucking benefit. One of the the worst things about it, right? Like mm-hmm. one of the greatest things and the worst things is that it removes that gatekeeper, but then it allows the junk that the gatekeeper used to prevent <laughs> from getting through to be just look. There's some people that have no talent. <laughs> Maybe they got a talent that I don't know about, but what I'm seeing is not talented. And and they are just they got so many followers, so many likes, they got endorsement deals, and it's like, come on, what are what are you truly contributing to society or to people in general? And in it's crazy, but then it also does allow some genuinely talented people to bypass all that those layers mm-hmm. that they had to get through before whether or not they were pretty enough or you know uh had the right dance moves or the right sound and now there's you can experience and find so many unique artists uh and just talents out there i think it, that is a great thing it's done it's just it's let so much more garbage through too i had a whole conversation about this on one episode we talked about the the barriers to entry yeah you talked about it on the ogama county mm-hmm. one too yeah mm-hmm. I think it's a reoccurring thing that comes yeah. up just because it's the time we live in and mm-hmm. talking to some, I mean, me being older, but talking to some people that grew up through those grinding ages where the only way you got out was doing the open mic nights, you know, uh, was going around posting flyers and handing them out and stuff like that and networking at other people's shows where, you know, now we're in an age where there's some comedians like like what Dane Cook, right? I mean, he was YouTube famous or MySpace famous. I mean, like, I mean, he was a comedian doing shows, but he took off because of his videos, mm-hmm. and like that was unheard of before that, really. So I mean, it's a it's a crazy, crazy time. Yeah, it's like a 
it's a weird platform. It is. It mm-hmm. is. And there's fucking little kids making millions of dollars. Yeah. We, we had a conversation. Look, look at my son. Oh. Are you fucking kidding me? Unboxing yeah. toys. Go fucking unbox your own. My kid uh, didn't pass two classes last uh, year in high school. His first year of high school, he failed two classes. We literally, literally had a serious discussion because he loves playing video games. It's like the only thing he really can focus on. Uh, he's ADHD and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Should we just let him fucking play? Because, like, he has to earn it, right? Like, should we just let him play? A 16-year-old just became a three millionaire winning a Fortnite tournament. Should we just let him play? Yeah. I mean, it's almost like a legit question. He could become a, a streamer on Twitch. Mm-hmm. You know, he could become a pro. I mean, they have the the, the um, League of Legends right now, downtown Detroit. They're having the, the tournament. Like, yeah, it's, it's a viable career option now. And school's only getting in the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, it's cool that that's, like, an option now, too. Like, I have some friends who are, like, starting to get into it. And, like, they make some money off of Twitch. Like, not, like, livable income, right. but, like, enough to help pay for, like, some cell phone bills. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then they were, like, telling me about, like, how there's other people that, like, make, like, 50 or 60000 a year just from playing video games. Like, yeah. And they're not even, like, famous. They just... Right. Have a decent enough following. It's crazy. This mm-hmm. is nonsense. Well, that's two hours. <laughs> Was it faster than you thought? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be. Sometimes it can. It, it feels like two hours. Other times, no. I think when you're <laughs> laughing, it makes it a little easier. But uh, again, is there anything that you want to plug before we head out? Um, any last um... closing thoughts? <laughs> uh if you if i can find my fucking mouse (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh if you want to try comedy definitely do it it's very cathartic um what would be the biggest piece of advice for someone that wanted to try out comedy thought about doing it is maybe on the fence what would be your biggest piece of advice uh do it and don't get discouraged like know that everyone has terrible it's not just you yeah uh, <laughs> if you don't crush uh right away or if you only crush when you have friends and family in the audience like keep at it just keep at it mm-hmm. all right well thank you sam it was very nice meeting you sam rager it, it was nice meeting you as right. well uh again website any instagram any upcoming dates anything like that uh i would say any dates coming up next month next month because <laughs> i release every two weeks and so like this isn't going to be live right now or released this weekend so try to be you know when i do release it so that way it's a little relevant to the dates yeah. that you say um i have a show september uh the first week in september um it's called the burt Solik show um and it's at the stash gallery i believe um a mustache gallery uh, it's like a bar, but they they're uh, it's mustache based. Um, oh, really? So, I was right when. You, okay. Yeah. Um, I would never guess. And then I am doing the Ordog Brewery in Marquette uh, in November. So you're really fucking traveling, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have to drive eight hours for that one to show them your face? <laughs> uh, well, it's like what four or five hours, maybe. I've thankfully performed there before, and so they know. Oh, so you already made that drive mm-hmm. once before. Twice before. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much, Sam, for for joining the getup, and I. Thank you for had fun talking me. to you. Yeah, it was great talking with you as well. Thanks. That is the getup. Thanks for listening to the getup. 
make sure to check out thegetupshow.com for more information on this episode's guests. While you're there, check out other episodes, leave a comment, or if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, shoot an email to contact at thegetupshow.com. Don't forget to follow, like, and share on Facebook at The Get Up Show Podcast. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at The Get Up Show and subscribe to The Get Up YouTube channel. The Get Up is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, YouTube, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts.